Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for clicking on another episode of In Conversation with Dre. This is Dre, of course, and here we are, week 19, episode 19. Crazy. Started a year ago, and, and here we are, and been getting some really good feedback, some really positive reviews, so I appreciate all of you out there who have been checking out the podcast, sharing it with your friends, and just looking into our clips a little bit more on YouTube and Instagram. That's at In Conversation with Dre. If you want to see what we're doing on the socials, and uh, you want to see the clips, but uh, yeah, I really appreciate everything, guys. Um, got a great one, great one for you today. Shout out to my buddy Phil. He introduced me to these wonderful people, Maxine, Boomi, and Renee. They're three co-founders of an organization called Code Black, and uh, they are three communications professionals and basically just said, look, we want to create the thing that we wish we had when we were coming up and uh, connects black professionals and especially in the communication sector and they do panels and seminars and all kinds of things and and so they're great um look them up they're fantastic uh very smart very lovely and uh, i think we had a really good conversation we talked about all kinds of things you know renee's a mother we talked about being a mother and and kind of like what kind of society she'd love to bring her up in and we talked about code switching maxine introduced something to me called code switching i wasn't sure what that was before and we jumped into a bit of that but you know we also i like to try to take the opposite approach to discussion sometimes and when we were talking about race and uh you know being a, a black female in in, in uh, communications it might be different but i just said you know maybe maybe we have more allies than than we think we do you know maybe we're just not paying attention so we we get into a bit of that we do a bit of a deep dive into the industry into what entrepreneurship should look like i think you guys are really going to like it couldn't ask for a better guess but again shout out to phil for the connection check out the episode guys let me know what you think on facebook and instagram in conversation with dre but for now let's get to the intro What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of In Conversation with Dre. And today I'm joined by the wonderful, inspiring, ultra black women <laughs> from Code Black. Ladies, how's it going today? Amazing. Amazing. I love it. I love it. We had a really good pre-interview, so the energy is already there. I just want to carry that into the show as much as possible. Absolutely. So, um... <laughs> Or not. <laughs> or not. Or not. Well, it's just like, okay. It's there. It's there. We're waiting. I was waiting. We just froze up. We just froze up. <laughs> I'm blaming, I'm blaming, I'm blaming that on Boomi. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> so, so look, uh, first of all, shout out to uh, my buddy Phil for, for connecting me with you guys. Uh, one day him and I were chatting and he's like, blah, blah, blah. I have this meeting with uh, Code Black and I'm like, oh, what's What's Code Black? What's that? It's, I like the name. I'm I'm already there. I'm already in. You know, shout out to to Wale. Sue me. I'm rooting for everybody that's black. So I'm already there. But then, uh, you know, he gave me the lowdown. He he let me know what Code Black is about. But now that I have the three of you on the show, the three co-founders, I would love to get into all things Code Black. So if you can, please, for the people who haven't heard of Code Black, whoever wants to take it, um, what is Code Black? What are you guys about? Yeah, so I mean, I can, I can start off. Um, we are a network um, created for Black professionals, um, specifically in the marketing communications industry. Uh, we, the three of us, came together to start Cold Black three years, three years and a cha change ago. Um, really, because we all sort of knew of each other, um, because we were like the obvious only ones in the room often it was sort of like you know go to an event hey black girl hey black girl and we we're thinking you know there has to be more of us and if there aren't more of us how do we change that if there are more of us how do we create a community where we are providing a safe space you know to discuss some of the, the unique challenges we face being black in the industry um how do we also help to remove barriers so one of the main things off the top was sort of understanding that being black in Canada often means that you are first or second generation Canadian. Um, and with that, there's often that push towards really traditional career paths. So the communications or marketing is not necessarily something that 
um, young Black people are, um, you know, they, they're exposed to. And so how do we help to, um, to create more awareness in the industry, but then also create um, avenues for people to enter into the professions, understanding that often you're not necessarily going to get your internship in because, you know, your parents have a cottage next to such and such person who owns an agency. Your dads aren't necessarily golfing. So how do we create um, informal networks um, to help also provide access? Right. Okay. That, that, that's, that's awesome. And, and I think that's a really important time right now to do something like Code Black. Having gone through what we gone through, what we went through as black people in 2020, I think every industry and Renee and I were talking about this before we started the show is like every industry, especially in PR and advertising was kind of like, oh, wait a second, racism exists. This is a thing that's happening. And, and so we have to fix it. And I think as black people, we all kind of collectively realize like we need to come together and we need to actually click up, if you will, being from Scarborough. Um, <laughs> I mean, but I it, was something, it was something to that, I think instinctively, we all felt even before everything kicked off in 2020, um, it was something where for we had been in the industry for a long, long time. So to have been in, and we had seen each other, I want to say for like 10 years off and on wow. being like the only ones. And it was just, you know, in that three, three years and some change of coming together, um, that we realized there was just such a hunger and a desire for a community like this. And we've been, just been gently, gently or not gently, or maybe the, the level of appetite for this within the black community and people who are black people who are communicators has been overwhelming. Um, because, you know, we talk about the fact that we thought we would start a private Facebook group and we did an event in Maxine's condo room and I remember when the RSVPs were coming in and it just, we increased the capacity like two times. And Max was like, I think we're going to get kicked out of the condo room. <laughs> so it just was really a sign for us that this was something that was needed. And what 2020 confirmed is that we need to keep our um, feet on the, on the gas um, because there's just so much more work that's left to be done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and what is, sorry, were you going to say something, Max? Yeah, no, I was just going to say with 2020, I think what was also interesting for people in our, in our field is that we were in the, <clears throat> often in the very awkward position of having to craft those statements and develop the communications plans for organizations in response to, you know, the BLM, the BLM uprising. And so that even more as, as as Bumi said was like a proof point or an indication that we're like we really need to be here as a resource because it was very challenging for a lot of professionals where you know you're faced you're put in this position where you know you're 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 mandated to help protect you know the corporate identity a lot of what you're doing is reputation management and how do you help do that when maybe you have very conflicting um feelings about you know how your organization or your client actually stands up in this topic and so we found that in that time the work that we were doing the space that we created was particularly important and needed right and and here we are talking about the industry the industry the industry and we're not necessarily speaking about what industry we're in um, I think the three of you are in, are in PR. Well, Renee, if I could start with you, why don't you go through and tell us a little bit about your background, what industry you are actually in? <laughs> yeah, the three of us are in PR. Um, all of us work with different agencies. So specifically, just talking about my background a little bit, uh, I'm currently a senior director at a PR agency in Toronto. And uh, my background kind of consists of everything from working with our national broadcaster to working in the not-for-profit sector um, and then leading uh, PR across uh, consumer packaged good brands. Uh, also worked with Nike in the past. So um, a real kind of 
wide array of experience kind of in different facets of PR throughout my career. Um, so yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell and obviously um, a really interesting time, I think industry-wide to Maxine and Boomi's point in the last couple of years as we've been kind of, as Boomi likes to say it, working off the side of our desks um, with what we've um, been able to craft with Code Black along with kind of playing that like senior leadership role at an agency. So it's been a very interesting time. Right. Okay. And with Code Black, I, I know we're kind of jumping around. We're talking about Code Black. We're talking about the industry. Uh, are there any short-term goals with Code Black that you guys are hoping to accomplish? Yeah, I would say for us, really, the super interesting part about, I would say the, you know, 2020 has brought us a lot of things, but I would say as we think about silver lining for us, it was the opportunity to really expand the organization, um, you know, beyond Boomi, Maxine and I to really other people. And we got to the point where we were so excited about the growth, but we also realized we were, it was never supposed to be about us. Um, it was always about the community and how we could really create, continue to create and grow the organization. And so <clears throat> we've recently uh, elected a board of directors. Um, and so now, uh, in addition to the three of us, we're nine additional people strong, which is amazing. Uh, and I think the ability for us to bring in, um, you know, fresh thinking and, you know, the best of the best within their kind of respective um, areas has been super enlightening for us to be able to continue to grow the organization. I think, you know, when we think of long term, it's the ability for us to you know think about things like um, building out our membership um, what that looks like in terms of opportunity of engaging the community as we think about uh, different opportunities in terms of events and so you know what's interesting what are people going to gravitate towards what does the community need ultimately and how can we leverage events to kind of help deliver that uh, and then you know thinking about uh, some really some areas that we really want to continue to explore. We think about um, you know younger people and you know starting from high school, for example, and up to university and college, and how we can engage um, black youth and let them know that communications is an option for them and the ability to showcase that. So um, that kind of touches on you know some of the work that that we're really looking at short term. Um, I think for all of us, it's our ability to, there's so much that we want to do. And I think it's our ability to um, kind of think of, okay, what are the most important things right now? And, you know, what beyond that does it look like for our next, you know, six months to a year? Um, but there's so many exciting things that we want to get into. So it's just kind of harnessing all of that excitement. Wow. Thank you. Well, that was a good answer and a lot of really, really strong points. And something you said um, really, really piqued my interest. You said engaging uh, people at a younger age, high school, uh, you said specifically. And I remember uh, we all have experience working in the industry, communications, PR, myself, television and advertising. And everywhere I went, something uh, my friends and I say who are of the same pigment, we would say the higher up we go, the less of us we see. And why is that? And, you know, one thing that I said to, to, to my friends is that we don't even know that this is an option. Like I, I didn't know in high school that I could work at an advertising agency and produce commercials for Campbell's and Kellogg's and TD Bank and, and these kinds of things. I had no idea this was even an option. So I think Cold Black engaging high school or even younger than that and saying, hey, look, guys, this this is something that you can do. It is an yeah. option. I think that that's so important because it's sort of like the two, it's two sides to it. Like on one hand, you know, speaking to the fact that like, as I was mentioning earlier, like a lot of us were, when you come from like an immigrant background, it's sort of like doctor, lawyer, teacher. And so like from your, your family, there's that, but then there's also like the systemic racism piece where, you know, we know that a lot of like young black kids are like sort of pushed towards the trades as well, even from like a school perspective. So I think that it is really important for us to be sharing and putting it on um, being out there and not just like for us, it's not just focusing on people who are in in school for, for comms or marketing, but also thinking about like, to your point, like how do we speak to high school students or even like elementary school students so that they understand that this is 
uh, a viable career. And it's really important that we we're in all of these industries. Absolutely. And, and you bring up a really good point is, is engaging them and, and how do you engage them? Right? Like I can't even imagine if somebody were to come to me when I was 14 years old, all I can think about is basketball and dating girls. And somebody's like, Hey, Andre, <laughs> young 15 year old, uh, you're going to look like a guy named LeBron one day, but, uh, you know, <laughs> You, uh, you could, you could be a producer in, in advertising, uh, Bumi, I want to kind of throw this question to you. How do you think you, how do you think the best way is to engage sort of younger girls and younger boys in the broader and to kind of broaden their ideas into what is a possibility for them? Well, I think as Renee, Renee touched on, it's some of it, we're putting it toward, we're putting that task to our board directors of student liaison. Um, and we're really relying on them because they, well, one, they're younger, they're closer to, to that group. Um, they are closer to um, sort of the challenges that that young group experiences. Um, I think the world has changed quite a lot. I would say even five, from five years ago being, you know, in high school, university, there are things like social media influencers uh, there are social media community managers. There are things that maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, weren't necessarily considered to be marketing or PR. And now they're fully, fully viable jobs. And people don't necessarily even realize what that that's what they're doing. So really relying on our student liaison directors to um, provide some insight into what, um, into what that group is thinking. Um, and then also leaning into the, uh, that community for them to tell us what they need. Um, because sometimes we're, we're thinking, oh, we're totally on the right track, but it's really the community that's coming back to us and saying, well, we need, we need access or we need paid internships or um, we need you to come to our school or um, we just need to see that you're out there, just physically out there just so that you, we can see that this kind of role is a possibility for us. So we're trying to we're trying to go at it in a number of different ways. Right. And and with on the topic of change, things are changing, things are changing rapidly. And with the advancement of the Internet and all these different platforms, we're seeing this uprising of uh, the title entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs being uh, attached to somebody's name. Right. And and and. And Maxine, quickly scanning your social media and your presence, I'm seeing the the, the title uh, entrepreneur. And I think um, I think it's important to educate people on not only these are the industries that you could fit into and these are the titles and these are the roles that you can fit into, but you can build it on your own, especially now. Like the opportunities that are available now weren't available to me when I was 14, 15 years old. I wish they were. I wish I could just turn on a camera and just be my own boss. But I'd like to talk to you guys about entrepreneurship and why do you think that that's important, especially for a young black girls and young black boys? I think that, you know, entrepreneurship is, is incredibly important because like part of it is also like believing that you can, you believing in yourself that you can do it on your own and you can do it on your own terms. Um, my father was an entrepreneur and, you know, I always really respected how, like the fact that he came to Canada and didn't really have anything and built a very successful, successful business. And, you know, that also, I think, I think, for me was also a, um, a huge encouragement to me that like all things are possible. Um, I think that like when we think about entrepreneurship though, um, today it, it can look very different. Like people, people have full-time jobs and are also entrepreneurs, you know, like there is a lot of different ways that people were like rewriting the rules in terms of like, how do we create? And even I think expanding our perspective of like what entrepreneurship is, you know, the three of us, we are all, we all um, work at an agency, but we're also building this organization called Black. And, and that in and of itself is an element of entrepreneurship. It's a not, not for profit, but we still need to be you know, figuring out like the accounting, there's still like a level of project management, you know, we're still looking at building our audience or our customer base. So there are so many different facets to entrepreneurship. 
And I think that like when we think about representation for us, a lot of it is also about building community and and inspiring. And I think that there is, you know, seeing black businesses um, launch and thrive is a huge, huge, huge part of inspiring. And so I, I, for me, I think that that's one of the reasons why I think entrepreneurship is 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 so important. Right. And and along with that, as entrepreneurship is important, I think what's starting to happen is the dismantling of what we know as, as hustle culture and, you know, work nine to five and then go home and then work some Absolutely. more on your job and don't sleep and team no sleep and all of that. And I think it's important to understand that, like you said, some people are working full time and some people are entrepreneurs, but how important is it to protect your mental health and protect your sleep schedule and make sure that you're feeding your body as much as you're feeding your mind and feeding your business. I once had, you know, uh, my pastor, she said, you can have it all, just not all at once. And that resonated with me so much because I think that, especially in the age of social media, there is this perspective that everyone's doing everything all the time perfectly. And, you know, one of the things for me in like the, this past year is like, I really, focused on like reframing what success and what self-care and what like accomplishment looks like some days i'm like you know what some days me just just making it through is an accomplishment every day is not knocking it out of the park um and so i think that like what you're saying about like that reframing of hustle culture is 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 really important and there are people who are able to hold down a full-time job and a side business but they also may not have other responsibilities right and so there is that like we also have to be kind with ourselves and like be really honest about like what we can achieve in this moment i think i think this is particularly important against the backdrop of of a pandemic and work from home where um i think people People have been humbled, I think, in some ways by by this pandemic, and people have like are really taking a taking stock of what they want their life to be and what they want their career to be. And I'm talking about the pandemic in terms of the global health pandemic, but I'm also talking about the pandemic of racism and black people just standing back and and being like, okay, what am I going to be doing in this environment? Am I safe at work? Am I safe to speak up at work? Is this is there is there something else I should be doing? Is there a different way I should be carrying myself? Should I be going into work and being an activist, you know, or should I just put my head down and do my job? I think these are a lot of questions that we've been asking ourselves. A lot of people have been asking themselves over the past the past year. Absolutely. Should I be Terry Crews or should I be uh, Colin Kaepernick? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing too, like Andre, when you, you like bring up like the hustle culture, I think that there's like a particular, it's, there's like a racial nuance to it as well, in a sense that as black people, I think, you know, it's super common. Everyone's like, sort of like, you got to be twice as good, you know, to get half as far. So like, there's an inherent um, push for us to like, do more, do better. So I think that when you couple on like that social media hustle culture, team no sleep, I did it with four hours, you know, like I, I only eat to live. Like It's, it's a lot. <laughs> and it's a lot. And like, you know, we have to, we also, I think part of being successful and like part of being successful and being excellent, I think is also being good to yourself. Absolutely. And, and I'd love to stay here a little while longer, Renee. I'd love to get your thoughts. Uh, you have a, an 18 month old in the background who's who's being very good, <laughs> not making too much noise. Thanks. But Yeah. Yeah. Thanks to the village that helps me hold it down for sure. <laughs> absolutely. It takes a village, right? It takes a village. Yeah. We're yeah. talking we're talking about reframing the minds of, of, of hustle culture and what it means to work and what it means to be an entrepreneur. You have an 18 month old what type of environment do you think you're going to be raising uh, your child in and what are you going to be teaching them about entrepreneurship? Yeah, I'm going to be teaching her. She can be and do whatever she wants. You know, I am uh, 
being, I don't, I don't want to call myself a former entrepreneur, but I kind of came out of the gates earlier than I guess some people might in, in our industry of being that entrepreneur and, and kind of leading um, my own company for a couple of years. I did that like really early on in my career. And a lot of people told me I couldn't, um, I didn't have an ex enough experience. I was too young. And I was like, forget it. I'm going to do it anyways. And so I've always kind of had that mindset that I'm going to do it anyways. No one else looks like me. I don't care. I'm going to do it anyways. And so, um, but not everyone has necessarily has that. Some people need encouragement. Some people need, you know, some like cheerleaders, somebody telling them they can do it. And so I think I've also, I've always kind of naturally taking that leadership role for other people. And, and certainly I think with what we want to do and what we want to continue to build with Code Black is, is something that's super important. But I would say that the, I have learned so much um, in the past year around that ability to find the balance that you need, right? And so um, last year was a really, tough year for me personally coming back um from mat leave into the middle of covid and trying to find my footing and tr trying to get back up to speed with all the things we were doing with code black and all the great um all the great uh, momentum that boomy and maxine kept going while i was you know taking some time um with the baby and so it was a lot to be honest to try to kind of like figure out the mix and having great partners um like i do with the two of them helped a lot and they just taught me to be you know be easy and be easy with yourself and when you can show up you're there when and when i couldn't they had my back and i know that that has made all the difference for me really so I think the importance of having that village, whatever your village looks like, um, is super important. It's made a world of difference to me. And I think has, is allowing me to be able to kind of pursue my, my dreams and be the senior leader at an agency, but be being an entrepreneur um, with this awesome group. And I hope that you know, my daughter can see that and see that she can, she doesn't have to be one dimensional and she can be many different things um, and, you know, can find her way and kind of follow, follow her, her instinct in her mind. So I think that's definitely what I'd love to pass on to her. Awesome. Very important. So something else I wanted to, to, to chat with you ladies about is uh, something that I think we all have experience with, and that's navigating spaces as the only as the 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 only black person i mean i was at an agency um for for a while and and there was about 200 people in the company that's where i met phil and him and i were the only black people in the company at the office and uh, it was funny they they used to confuse us for each other all the time even though we look nothing alike he's way more handsome and and it was just it was just so funny and and but one thing i can't imagine is being the only but also being a female and being black. And that's something I'd love to talk to the three of you about, especially being in PR, especially being entrepreneurs and mothers. Um, Bumi, I'd like to start with you. Can you maybe give me a, some insight into what it is like being a black female in a professional space and how you navigate speaking with coworkers and being in the boardrooms and having those meetings and having to bite your tongue when somebody says the wrong thing or refers to a black female as strong you guys go through so much. You're so, so strong. What's that like? I feel like I have a, in some ways, I shouldn't say unique. I have an interesting background in that when I was in grade school and for a big chunk of high school, I was the only black female in a predominantly white institution. So I've been moving through that for, for quite a long time. Um, and I feel like where it becomes important to navigate is when you start to really have a clear aware awareness of what it means to be black in those spaces. So I think, I think probably I had a bit of, um, some blinders on, not necessarily knowing, cause I'm just thinking, I'm just me, I'm in this space. And then realizing how people were interacting with me or realizing Oh, there are things that even now I look back on some things and I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's what that was. Oh my goodness. Um, so I think being aware of what 
being aware of being the only one and what that means, I think is hugely valuable because it helps me, it helps me to be a little bit more grounded. It helps me to understand that whether I want to or not, I'm, I'm representing, um, I am representing, I, I feel that pressure uh, or that responsibility, I should say, not necessarily pressure to make sure that one, I am representing um, my background um, properly, but then also I'm making sure that it's a safe space for anyone that's going to be coming in after me. Um, and I think the longer that I've been in the industry, I feel the more, I feel like I've had more courage and boldness to be able to speak out on things that I don't think are right um, or I don't think are, are being handled properly. And I'm being able to do that because I'm just trying to be fearless about it. Um, I'm trying to think through how do I show up for myself, um, but how do I make sure I'm showing up for, any, for, for anyone that's coming, coming in behind me? Absolutely. I think that is one of the most important points is that it's not about you, really. It's going back to something that you mentioned earlier, uh, Renee, I think it was you that mentioned it earlier. It's not about you. It's about the people that are coming up behind you. And it reminds me, um, or after you, I should say, it reminds me of when I was a teacher. Uh, I was I was teaching this class of 30 kids, you know, between 19 and, and, and 26 years old. And, you know, I had maybe three or four black students, uh, maybe two of them are, are men or male. And I'm thinking to myself, all of the experiences that I'm telling them about, hopefully they don't have to deal with, you know, and I can tell them how to navigate these spaces a little bit differently because it is going to be different for them. And uh, something you said, uh, Bumi, was really interesting is that it's it's almost like a, a responsibility. It's almost like a responsibility to be the only in a space because they're going to be looking at you as, all right, well, we don't know what it's like to work with a black female and you're the only one here. So we're just going to assume you're all like this. Right. And, um, you know, before we started the interview, uh, uh, Maxine, I think we were kind of talking about being in Zoom meetings with colleagues and having your your ultra black artwork there in the background and just... <laughs> If, if if you're if you're listening to the podcast, um, Maxine has uh, some wonderful artwork in the back. That's a uh, ultra super uh, female black empowerment. Uh, probably Lauren Hill in the background there too. Uh, but we were talking about that before we started, and, and you were saying that yeah, you you know you have some employees or some coworkers that kind of chime in and say, oh, that looks it looks great, it looks great. Yeah, and I mean, like I think that it's it's. I think like, you know, to Bumi's, like Bumi mentioned, I think the, the, the older I've gotten, the more comfortable I am. Um, I would say like bringing, you know, maybe my whole self to the situation. And at one point I sort of felt a little bad about that. Cause it's sort of like, oh, like earlier on, was I like not was I not being strong enough? Or was I not strong enough? Was I not vocal enough? But I think it's also having grace with yourself. And one of the things that like we often talk about is like understanding that not every day can you fight the fight and that's okay. And understanding that there is also a real cost to these things. And I, I'm always like a little angry when people kind of like are pushing people to like be super, super like vocal and fight every fight, not you know, there are things that people have, like, there are things on the table that people may, may lose in being super vocal. And it's not to say that we're ever encouraging people not to speak up, but I think that we need to be fair um, and realistic and identify that there, it, there, it, there can be a cost. And so, like, we all have to, like, negotiate with ourselves and decide whether or not we're willing and we're able in that moment. And so for me, I like now kind of look at my younger self with a bit more empathy and understand, okay, you know what, when that person said that thing, like now, like when I think back, I'm like, oh, you know what, you should have said this or like, you know, you should have like really like, but now I kind of look back and I say, okay, you know what, I understand why in that moment I didn't have it in me. I also didn't have a community at that time. So there were so many things that I, I experienced and like situations that I kind of walked away from feeling like that was really weird and it made me feel this way, but I don't know if I'm reading too much into it. And like Boomi, it's sort of like, 
now I look back and I'm like, no, okay, that was exactly what I thought it was. And I think maybe in my younger self, had I had a community, um, maybe that would have allowed me to navigate those spaces a little bit differently. Maybe I still would have like responded the same way and that would have been okay. Um, but I, I'm happy at least that I'm like in a place now where I'm like, yeah, you know, my artwork is super, super black. It always has been, and I'm okay with showing it on a Zoom call. And most, you know, and I think, you know, most cases it, it at least seems to be received quite well. Um, and if it's not, you know, okay. <laughs> like it's staying up. So. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and I mean, honestly, I like, I'm, I'm joking about it and whatever, but I, I don't know if I'm at a place to be honest with you guys. I don't know if I'm at a place where I can put up, you know, a poster of, of, of Malcolm X behind, although I have a tattoo of Malcolm X, but I don't know if I'm at a place where I'm comfortable enough to say like, Hey, yeah, look, I'm unapologetically black. So what? Right. It, it takes that, a while to okay. get there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the things for us, even starting code black, it was, I think we all went through a moment where we're like, how do we talk about this? Like, <laughs> you know, when your boss, when your white boss asks you about code black communicator network, you know, like how do you speak to it? And do you try to like, sort of like backpedal and like make it seem like a bit more like, well, you know, it's, it's, it's black, but also, um, but we all kind of came to a place where we were like, you know what, we're not in the place of trying to like exclude anyone. Like that's not our focus, mm -hmm. but at the same time, our focus is about black people. So like this, this is a group for black communicators and feeling, you know, comfortable enough to, to say that it, it took a while. Like, I know for me, I was like, at first I was sort of like, Oh yeah. It took a while. It took a while for sure. I, I think back to our, you know, our, like our earlier days. Um, I remember my, I remember my boss saying, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like my stomach dropped because I was thinking of all the things that I've said. <laughs> and I'm thinking these are things that I'm saying because I'm kind of, I feel like this conversation, Andre, I feel like similar situation where you're kind of sitting amongst friends and you're having a conversation and then, you know, we shoot it out to the world, but it, in, in so many ways, it's so personal and it's like the other, the other side of yourself that you're not bringing to the office on a daily. Um, and so it was scary. Like when she said that, because then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like you're listening to this. Like, did I say something where you're going to think a lot, a lot of the points that Maxine was making in terms of, you know, what are you going to think? Um, are you going to think I'm not inclusive? Like all of these things kind of started swirling in my mind. And so, um, you know, I think over time, um, I think in, in ways like, you know, we were people talk about the, you know, the movement in the last, in the past year, you know, like we were definitely kind of ahead of, of that moment. Um, but I think in a lot of ways for me, even being having, you know, 12, 13, whatever, 14 years in the industry and, and being on the senior team and all of those things, there are things that I would say now I would not have said in a boardroom eight months ago. It's just straight up. I wouldn't have. And it's given me this feels like just peeling layers of myself of like years of not seeing certain things where now I'm like, listen, no, <laughs> listen, no. And, or people are asking me when no one would have asked before. So it's a very different time. And, um, you know, I think that we're all kind of learning, we're all kind of learning and like, it's almost like a new space in some ways. Um, but definitely this different feeling of empowerment for me has emerged in the past, um, six to nine months where I, I do feel a lot more free just to be able to like be authentically me kind of inside the office, the virtual office, so to speak, and outside in a way where I never have before. Why do you think that is that we feel like 
we can't say things. We can't really tell people how we feel, even though we have maybe some of our colleagues who do express themselves. Why do you think it is that? And maybe there are maybe there are other groups of people that we're not thinking about that that feel the same way. And and we're being like you said earlier, kind of we have our blinders on. Uh, Boomi, you mentioned that. But why do you think it is that we feel that way, that we can't express ourselves? I think because there are very real ramifications to us speaking up and speaking out. Um, I think because we've seen it happen to our parents, to our family members, I think because our parents may even have, for some people may even have warned us, don't say too much, don't talk about blackness too much. You just go in and you do your work. You don't need to talk about that. Um, I, and I think they, they, they have done it with, because they have been negatively impacted by that. Um, I see it today where people have spoken out, Black people have spoken out, and I know that opportunities, they have lost opportunities because they've been vocal about these things. Um, we're behind the scenes. We see how certain, certain brands are, react to that or decide, you know what, I don't want to work with that person because they're just a little too militant, you know? So I think we do have to be careful. And, and to Maxine's, Maxine's point, not everybody is in the same in the same space. Not everyone has that safety to speak up, and it may be safe right now. We don't know if that pendulum is going to swing another way in another eighteen months to two years. We don't know. You know, I've seen a lot of think pieces that have come out around um, um, organizations and Black History Month and the the feeling of 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 last summer, there being a lot of black squares. And during this Black History Month, there's been a lot of quiet. There's been crickets when it comes to some of those organizations. I'd like to think that they're trying to regroup and organize themselves so that they can say something that's not performative. But I think, I think a lot of people don't know right now. So when we talk about why, why are we afraid to speak up, I think we're we're only just beginning to even bring our our full selves to work and we're ready to pull that full self off the table if we get if we get any sort of pushback or flack i, I read an article recently and it's not even a new article it was in like um harvest harvard business review and it was about code switching and um i guess like the the drawbacks of code switching. And one of the things that the article talked about was like even where you see um, black professionals who are, you know, extremely, extremely tenured, you know, they're in the C-suite. When they've been surveyed, a lot of what has come out of, of those interviews is those individual, those individuals, um, distancing themselves from behavior or vernacular that is attached with the black community so i think part of the reason we think about why is it so hard for us to speak up is that there's also like there are proof points that we have seen that speaking up doesn't really work you know when we do we're often the only one and then when we do see people who occupy those places that are typically not occupied black by black people they've historically not necessarily been in a professional setting. They maybe have not been extremely vocal or they have not been extremely blackity black, 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 black all the time. <laughs> like, you know, and like not to reduce it, not to reduce being black to like a specific way of speech or like a spe specific way that you might carry yourself, but they maybe haven't like presented in a way that is, um, like usually identified specifically with with like black culture. Right, Renee, did you wanna say something? Yeah, I was just gonna say, um, this is a little bit more personal, but um, I was gonna say that, you know, for me, my, my huge inspiration going up was my brother, still is. Um, he's much older than me. And so he chose, he chose to make his dream that he wanted to be a professional hockey player. And as a black man, not popular right like really of the sports you could go into not the best idea and um he succeeded in that and that's what his career ended up being so i saw his struggle and his sacrifice and his 
his commitment to excellence as an athlete, but then as a black man in a sport that you're not supposed to be in. So for me, he was like a light where I was like, oh, okay, well, I can see, I see what like the template that you laid out in order to be successful in a lot of ways for myself, I thought, okay, well, I need to kind of emulate this because you were done in order to kind of get there, I need to do these things too. And that definitely means cutting off parts of myself in the professional world in order to be successful. And so um, it was like, I mean, in retrospect now I see it and he talks about it in a lot more of an open context and dialogue than he ever would have kind of when he was actually playing. Now he's retired, but for me, it was like, it was a combination of that. And then my parents always drilling into him, like, you're black, you have to be 10 times better, just be happy with what's happening. Don't come like there was a lot of that, right? It was just kind of like, the way we grew up, um, always be careful. Um, so many different things that they would tell him and I would kind of hear those messages. And of course, they're doing it from a standpoint of wanting to keep you safe, wanting you to be successful and them understanding this is what you need to do, you know, and so um, it's been a very like eye opening, I think, for me over, you know, as I've gotten older, and I've matured and seen things um, to kind of see, you know, the evolution of that and, and kind of what that all meant in, in my earlier life. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting, I think, in terms of everyone, we always talk about um, black people not being a monolith. <laughs> we always say that amongst the three of us where everybody's experience is so different and there's different reasons why, you know, you might be the person that can speak up and there's other reasons why you might not. And so it's, it's really interesting to kind of understand people's stories um, and kind of how stories kind of continue to unfold. Right. And you know what, as, as we're speaking and, you know, we're very, um, I don't want to say one-sided, but but our experiences are very uh, personal and close to us, and we kind of have a one perspective when it comes to this topic. And I, I want to offer another opinion, and I want to see what you guys think. What if there are much more white people, because this isn't a black and white thing, it's kind of like black versus everybody, but let's call it black and white for the sake of the discussion. Um, but let's say that there are much more white people in executive positions that actually genuinely do want to help us. They just have no idea how to. And the reason I'm at the reason I'm asking this is because as a man, there are certain privileges that 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 I'm privy to. And I had no idea the power that that was taking away from 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 women, black women, especially. And over the course of the last, I don't know, five to 10 years, there has been a uh, an empowerment movement, especially with women. And I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about women and I've learned a lot about some of the things that I was doing that were microaggressions, that were passive aggressive. I had no idea that I was doing this. And now that I know, I would never do these things again or say these things ever, ever again. But I could have been doing them on a day-to-day -day basis, not knowing. And I could have been an example. I'm a villain in someone's story somewhere, not knowing that. So maybe, is it possible that we're standing a little too close to the elephant and we're not paying attention to, well, like, look, during BLM, there were a lot of white people in those marches. You know, there are actually white people in executive roles in companies where there are no black people, where they're actually starting some organizations inside the department where they're saying, look, we need diversity inclusion. We have no idea what's going on. Maybe we need to start. Is it, is it possible that we're standing a little bit too close to the elephant here and we're not seeing the big picture? If we, if we zoomed out, maybe we would see that we do have a little, we have more allies than we're, than we're allowing ourselves to see, or am I just, am I just being crazy? Um, I think there, there are allies. Certainly. I think for someone to say that again, white, white people are a monolith is, is untrue. Obviously. I think there are people definitely who want, there are a lot of people who want to change. They don't even, they didn't even know that they needed to change. I think that's where unconscious bias comes in, right? Like people don't even understand that there was an issue. <laughs> so I think in the first place, people didn't even recognize some people didn't recognize that there was an issue in the first place. And I think there are definitely groups of people who think, okay, like, what can I do? And they are really, um, 
they're really trying to think of different ways to be able to become an ally and and it's not performative and it's real right i think the reality though is that there are other people where it's a bit of a pony show like there is there are definitely people who are kind of doing the things checking the boxes but it's not real it's not from a real place um, the experiences that we've all had as a collective people individually, we didn't imagine those things to be happening. And, and there are people that, again, they'll do what they need to, to, you know, say, oh, we have DNI, we are doing this. But at the end of the day, are they really moving the needle? Do they really care? No. So there are, there are a mix of people. I don't think you can be... Um, I don't think it's like a, a blanket, a, a, like thinking of people kind of in blanket terms. I think there are groups of people and um, and I think it differs. And Maxine, did you have anything to add? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think it's really nuanced. And I think that part of it is us all also like realizing our own privilege because I think that like that also is a bit humbling in and of itself is like, you know, like you were talking about, you know, as a black man, there are things that you've experienced that, you know, are like have impacted you because you are a black man, but at the same time, you also hold privilege being a man, right? So like, we're all in a position where, you know, we ex experience um, some level of oppression and some level of privilege. And I think that like, at least for myself, I feel like keeping that perspective is a bit humbling and it allows me to, it reminds me to not become hard and like, like, I think having the balance of like not being overly um, critical, because I think that that is part of like what can start to happen it's sort of like okay well we realize that there are these big systemic issues. So now it's like okay well, you know what all these companies, all these people, when it's not really, it's that that's not the case. There are big issues and there are people who are not interested in having these conversations. There are, there are people who are not interested in change. There are a lot of people who are um, interested in change. And so I think like having that perspective is, is really helpful. Um, but I think the other side of it too is like, and I, I struggle with this a little bit, when we have these conversations around change and you know who's interested in really helping us to do this work is like i never want it to be in a place where we are begging people to help us you know like i think that there is like a level of and like that sort of like that you know elusive balance is like yeah you want to you don't want to turn away allies but at the same time i think like begging people to change is not necessarily the best the best way either i think that there are things that we also have to do for ourselves and you know be take up the mantle to build communities and build avenues to help us you know have access to things that maybe historically we've had obstacles um obtaining you're absolutely oh sorry go ahead and i think it's I think some of it is is definitely helping ourselves, but the question about, you know, are we too close to it? I, I feel like this is a kind of discussion that we've been having like for years. So part of it is like, for me, it's a bit of a loss of patience. It's like, if you don't know this by now, then like, where are we? The fact that Renee said that some people this summer only just realized that there was a problem that in and of itself is like mind boggling to me for us we're phds in in <laughs> in this situation and some people are literally in preschool so how are we how are we how are we able to how are we able to contribute in a way to get people up to speed super fast while at the same time ensuring that we're nurturing ourselves that we're taking time to rest because this is a this is a long haul type of discussion um, I don't, I don't think we're too close to it. I think, um, I don't think we're too close to it. I think there are people who are not black that are not close enough to it. Beautiful point. 
Beautiful point. We'll put it. We'll put a pin in the discussion there, and and with uh, education and uh, you know sort of restructuring where we need to go as people. Code Black is uh, one of the organizations that plans to do that. Uh, before we get you guys out of here, I want to ask um, all three of you to answer a question for me here. Uh, we've all identified that we've all kind of grown up as you know um, first or second generation um, uh, Black African um, people. And we've been taught to kind of quiet our voices, to just be, go to work, be a worker and come home and do your thing. Um, but that needs to change. So um, let's start with Renee. Um, what, are, what do you think is going to be the messaging that we need to teach the younger generations? Or what would you say to your younger self moving forward as entering professional spaces or entering entrepreneurship becomes more and more prevalent and um, using your voice is becoming much more uh, important than it has been in the past. What are some of the things that you're going to tell the younger generation that they need to hold true to themselves and they need to do that, that we weren't able to do because we weren't taught? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think the thing I would say is walk in your truth walk in walk in your truth don't let anyone else define what your truth is um and there are going to be days when things might feel challenging there might be days when you feel like um should i be doing this i'm not sure um and always come back to you know like what's true to you um and trust that gut instinct. Um, trust what makes you feel good as well. Um, and don't get caught up in um, what whatever type of um, labels, ideas that anyone else has placed on you, because there's really no one that knows where you need to be really kind of beyond yourself and that's not to take not to take advice from people but um for me what's what's i wish that i would have known when i was younger is to be able to kind of follow that voice because the voice when i follow the voice um sometimes i still don't listen to it but when i follow it it, it kind of it never um it never sets me off path um and i think that we have been taught for so long to override that. And so I would say listening to that is gonna be your best guide. I see it a lot with the younger generation now. Um, I think, and I'm, I'm so excited for them because I'm like, wow, like you really are just out there talking boldly with your chest, you know? So for me, if I look, if I were to talk to my younger self, I'd say to take up space, take up that space and own it, speak up. Um, because sometimes I think I shied away. And what I thought maybe was shyness wasn't that it was because my personality and my gifts were pushed down and diminished and made to seem like it wasn't valuable. When looking back, I was like, looking back, I look at the younger Bumi and I'm like, wow, you were talented. You were smart. You knew what you were talking about, but other people got into your ear and made you feel like you shouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Maxine? I would tell my younger self, you're doing a good job and you being you is important. Short and simple. Yeah, and, that's, that's it. <laughs> and, I, and I'll jump in too, because yeah, this was, this was a good question. I like this. Yeah. this <laughs> good job, Andre. Question. <laughs> great question. This was a good question. I would, I would tell my younger self that you are enough. You know, you are enough. Not everybody can be Batman, Wonder Woman. You don't have to, you know, lead the charge all the time. But, mm -hmm. you know, like you like you said, like um, sometimes that voice in your head is the one that you need to be listening to and try not mm -hmm. to let other people get into your head because you know how powerful you are. You know, I have I have the I have a little voice note on my phone and I just record myself kind of giving myself a pep talk whenever I'm feeling like in high spirits so that when I'm not feeling hype, when I'm not feeling like LeBron, 
and I'm feeling, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I just listen to it and I say, you know what I need I love to, that. yeah, it's, it's great. It's a minute long. And I sometimes I listen to it before I go to bed and it's just me telling myself that you are great. You are the best. It's when you're feeling mm, good. And it's like, awesome. yeah, I am, I am great. <laughs> I am, I am dope. Um, but I had a, had a wonderful discussion. Thanks again for your time. Uh, Thank Renee, you. Renee, Thank Maxine. you for having Thank us. you so much. Yeah, this was great. And, and, and uh, I want to support you guys as much as possible. Uh, I think the listeners want to support you as much as possible. Uh, if you could let us know where we can find your stuff, how we can get in contact with Code Black if we need to get in contact with Code Black. Move Me is pointing to the bottom. I don't know who she's, <laughs> like, po- pointing, she's pointing to somebody. we're all in different, like, square. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's pointing well, you to can, you. <laughs> you can find us um, on Twitter and Instagram at CodeBlackCN on LinkedIn as well. Check us out. Facebook, we're there, but not there. So <laughs> Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. And if there's anything else that you guys are doing, like feel free to, to let us know about that now. I mean, if there's any sort of pursuits that you have on the side, any side hustles or whatnot. Um, or, or not? Uh, right now, it's like it's really about Code Black. We're we're looking to do an event in short order, so look out for that. And shortly after that, we'll be rolling out, you know, what membership looks like. Um, but you'll be hearing a lot from us, so please follow. Let us know what is helpful um, to you. Also, like one of the things that we're focused on is providing resources that people actually need. So we're we're always looking for feedback. But thank you so much, Andre, for having us. This was like a really, really great chat. We really enjoyed um, connecting with you. Okay. Great. Thank you. Bye. 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 Okay, bye.